Good morning to you all. I got one good morning. I thought this was our house. Can I get somebody to respond to my good morning? Good morning. All right, all right. Does anybody need a word today? Are you ready for the word? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Philippians chapter 3 calls our attention. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16 calls our hearing today. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. In honor of the word of God, we ask that you stand for the reading of his word. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Want to give a shout out to all of you that are watching us on YouTube and screaming live. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. I know this word is going to bless you as well as the congregation here. If the preacher says something that you like, show some sign in that social media space. Give me an amen, a hallelujah, some emojis. Let the people online know that this word is speaking to them. Do you have it? Amen, amen. amen. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16. I'm going to throw you for a curveball today because you know I normally read from the King James translation. Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. Since we're doing a new thing, <laughs> I figured I would give a new translation. So we're going to be coming from the new King James <laughs> translation of the text. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the recorded word of God. Now that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Mm. I can't even go any further before I just give you that. Let me read it one more time. Now that I have already attained, I got some things. Not what I used to do or used to be places that I used to go, accolades, letters in front of my name. I've attained these things, but this is what Paul says, or am already perfected. In your mind, you might think you're perfected because you flesh and blood. But Paul, Paul is giving us a segue. He says, but there it is. You thought you was perfected. And you already know when you have a comma in front of the but, it's joining two things together. It's called a conjunction. He says, but I press on. I'm trying to even, I can't even get through the text before I get to the sermon. I press on. Somebody say press on. Press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Wow, that means God is working on this man so much so that he's got a hold on him. And he continues. He's got a hold of of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, (laughs) forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, y'all already preaching. 
Y'all preaching the text for me. I can feel it. I can feel it. I press toward the goal for the what? Anybody need a prize? Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature. I need to talk to some mature saints this morning. Some people that's gone through some stuff. Got some scars. Right? Your mind was, was confused at one time. You had some friends, but you had to part ways like the Red Sea. Some mature people that got in this word and realized you weren't living right. Some mature saints. Have this mind. Somebody say, renew my mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Who's going to reveal it? God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This is God's recorded word. You may be seated in his presence. For the time this morning that we have together, I want to preach from the subject, moving forward. Moving forward. In order for me to preach the text, I've got to give you some context so that you understand the sermon title as well as the text that we will extrapolate some principles for your daily living. The author of the text is Paul. We all know Paul. Paul was the one that persecuted the Jewish Christians. Paul was convicted so much so in what he was doing, he thought it was right, but it wasn't right. Have you ever been in that moment? where you did something, you were so convicted about it that you thought it was right because you only had part of the story. You was on social media tweeting, on Facebook listening to somebody's, reading somebody's posts, and they just told half the story. So let me caution you that before you respond to a message or a text or a tweet, make sure you got all the information. That ain't even in my notes. That was just for you, though. Make sure that you have all of the information. So Paul, here we transition now. Paul, and I'm not going to take you through the chronology of Paul and his life's uh, story, but when we pick up the text today, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi. Philippi was a very unique place. And, and Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. So if you go back and you read Acts chapter 16, you will find a narrative where Paul and Silas, they're on their second missionary journey, and they are literally arrested by the Holy Spirit, where they want to go in one direction, and then the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 stop, pause, press your brakes. That's not the direction or the location that I want you to go. 
So Paul and Silas, they are king. They listen to the Spirit of God, and instead of going to where they wanted to go, they listen to the Spirit of God and go in the direction that the Holy Spirit leads them. Have you ever gone and done something where your flesh and your blood say, this is what I want to do? I don't care about all the warning signs. I don't care about the messengers that God sent me to tell me that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I see how you're looking at me, so let me break it down, make it clear. Uh, you thought that you prayed for a husband, and then right after you prayed for that husband, your boo, your Boaz showed up, and you was looking at his physical attraction, and God said in the spirit, that ain't your boo, that ain't your Boaz? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not feeling that one. Um, you, you, you have, you have uh, a budget and your finances, and you go to get a house, and you know your credit score is somewhere in here, but then when you go to search for houses, you're looking at houses above your credit score, above your income, above your finances, but that's what you want. And somehow you think it's in the spirit that God allows your credit score and the income that you have to get the house, when in actuality it was the realtor that wanted the commission and not the house that God had for you. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? So Paul finds himself in a situation where he listens to God. He's already gone down that road before. Somebody say moving forward. So Paul is moving forward. He finds himself now in prison. This wasn't the first time that Paul found himself in prison. You remember, again, go back to Acts chapter 16. I like how Paul sets this up. Now, when you read the epistles, the epistles are, are arranged based upon their length. So when you read the book of the, the Word of God, it's a line, the epistles are aligned based upon the length of their chapters and their verses. So when you see Philippians, that's for my, my nerdy people like me, uh, you read the text and you find out that there's only four chapters in Philippians. But here is the underlying message throughout the book of Philippians. Tweet this one, joy, joy. That's the underlying message in the book of Philippians, this letter that Paul writes to the church at Philippi. So this is what Paul does. When he's writing this letter, he is in prison. Somebody say he's in prison. He's in prison, but it is his selfless service to the connection of the people when he planted this church that he is encouraging them. Let me break that one down to you. So he's in prison. Have you ever been in prison? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> look straight ahead because your neighbor's saying, okay. If you look straight ahead, they won't know I'm talking about them. But see, when I said prison, you thought I meant a physical place. Some of you have a prison in your mind. The prison in your mind, when the, God, when the Spirit of God tells you, you need to get out of this situation, you need to get out of this relationship, enough is enough. It's time that you move on. You need to leave this job. 
because they're holding you down. They literally have you in prison. Maybe your prison situations are so much so that when you came to church this morning, you said to yourself, the church was a prison. Mm. I want you to think about that one. The church was your metaphorical prison. I have good news for you today. You came into the church. You've been holding your praise all week. You couldn't shout on the job. You shout at your house. Your family's looking at you like you're crazy. Church prison. Prison in your mind. But when you release this morning, when you press, did you feel the liberation? What you was holding in? Did you feel the joy that was bubbling up on the inside of you? That there was a release that God was trying to get out of you? I see how you're sitting there today. Maybe when they went through the praise and worship time, you didn't get an opportunity to praise God like you wanted to praise God. Maybe it wasn't convenient for you to praise God. But God says, <laughs> I brought some friends along. If you don't praise me, these rocks are going to cry out for me. And I don't need a rock to cry out. You don't need a rock to cry out. We don't need a rock to cry out. Maybe when the praise team led us into praise and worship, you were confused. You were confused because you were like, I've never been here before. This is something different. This is something new. Maybe you thought praising God was, was a hand clap or a foot stomp or a dance. Those are expressions of praising God. But I want you to write this one down. Praising God is bragging on God. Praising God is bragging on God. What do I mean by that? When you brag on God, it is, it is the expression of what is inside of you coming out. Um, how many of you have children, right? Your children's come home, or your child comes home, they got the report card, they got spread A's, and they're showing it to you, they're excited, they're uh, jubilated that they made all A's. And as a proud parent, what do you do? You pick up the phone, girl, my boy, my girl, they got spread A's. You brag on your child. And God says, all the stuff that I've done for you, and you're going to sit there like a knot on a log and not open up your mouth and just brag a little bit? Has he done anything for you lately? All right, has he done anything for you today? If you can open up your mouth, he did something for you. If you can raise your hands... He's done something for you. If he gave you breath to breathe, he's done something for you. So when the praise and worship team comes up, I don't need them to prep me. I don't need them to prime me. 
I come with a praise on my lips. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You've been good. You've done so many things for me. Opened up doors that were closed. You gave me eyes that I could see. I opened my eyes and I saw the splendor of your glory when you shaped and molded the kaleidoscope and the canvas of the sky and the moon and the stars. You breathed breath of life into us, the Ruah breath of life. You fill me with your Holy Spirit. And because of that, Lord, I just got to brag on you. Lord, you've been so good, so good that all I can say is, mmm, mmm, good like a Campbell's soup good. Lord, you're so good to me that I grew up in a house that didn't have electricity, but now look at me, Lord. I'm standing in the light. I look at you, Lord, realizing that all of my past experiences all of those setbacks have now set me up for you to set me up, for me to come back, for me to tell my story. You got to praise God. You got to brag on God. So Paul finds himself bragging, praising God to the church at Troas, to the people in Philippi. He lets them know that when he went in, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16, we're going to hang out there for a minute. He goes into the city and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preaches the plan of salvation. The first person that he preached and the first convert, ladies, you'll appreciate this one, was Lydia. The first person, the first church in Europe, the first convert, the first person to accept Jesus Christ Lydia. Lydia, she was an entrepreneur. Lydia had it going on. She was a seller of purple cloth. She was converted. And then the, the scripture says that she went and told the rest of her family. Hashtag this one. When you get saved, you are to spread the gospel. When you are saved, you are to spread the gospel you become a disciple for Christ. Lydia gets her whole house saved. He continues to preach the gospel. The next person that comes up, Paul and Silas are going through the town. They're preaching the gospel. People are being saved. Crowds begin to follow them. And the second person that they saved was this young lady who was possessed with the spirit of divination. And her owners... They utilized her gift, whatever that gift was. She was proclaiming what Paul and Silas did, but she was not a disciple. She was utilizing the story that they told for the profit of her masters. Have you ever gotten to the point where you've said enough is enough? Paul and Silas, for days now, this woman is behind them, and she keeps on saying things or repeating things that they're saying, and her masters are profiting from that. Paul and Silas said, enough is enough. It's time for us to move forward. So Paul and Silas, with the Spirit of God, they cast the Spirit out of the young lady, and she gave her life to Christ. Do you know those owners were upset because their cash cow dried up? Thank you, brother. It dried up. They had to find another form of income. Second convert, two women... To all of my brothers out there that say God can't use a woman, you better read your Bible. 
Can I fast forward? We're at the cross. Jesus is crucified. He's laid in the tomb. Who were the first ones there? Somebody say Mary, Martha, the women. And what did the women do? They went and told the disciples. I'm still in the Bible. Women, don't discredit your worth. I could give you story after story, line upon line, precept upon precept, how God used women in the Bible. Brothers, will you give our women a hand clap? For being godly women. Is this blessing you? Can we go further? So first, the first point that I want to bring out to you is Paul says this. It's in the text. Paul says his past progress should not prevent his present progression. I got some mmms. Was that deep? Let me give it to you again. Paul says his past progress should not pre prevent present progression. Let me say it one more time and clear it this time. Past progress should not prevent present progression. Let me explain that. Um, Paul does not give his accolades. He could say that I trained under Greek scholars. He could say that I was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He could say that I was a Roman soldier or a citizen that studied in Greek. He could go on and on. He could, he could have said I established churches in Corinth and Philippi and Ephesus and, and all of the, the other books of the Bible that he was given credit for. But Paul doesn't say that. He says that he is pressing towards progression. He's moving forward. All of these accomplishments, he said it didn't matter. Maybe when you read the text, you thought that the text was saying, don't look at your past and get stuck in the past. You're moving forward, but you can't move forward because you're looking back at your past. Paul is saying just the opposite. He's saying that I'm not looking at all my accolades because I'm trying to move forward. I'm, I'm pressing. That word press there in the Greek, it means to ensue, to move forward. It literally means in the, in the essence of where Paul is in prison, it means that you're being persecuted. You're being persecuted. When you go to your, to your job, you're being persecuted on your job because you got a Bible. You're being persecuted uh, in the church because you're praising God. When you're pressing forward, it is a sign of spiritual maturity. Paul says, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm not looking at my past experiences. I'm moving forward. Um, it is a change of seasons. And in January, we all make New Year's resolutions, right? We go to the gyms, we, we get our memberships, we, we, we look in the mirror and we make all of these resolutions and we say we're going to lose weight. 
and we're going to budget and we're going to watch our spending. We make all of these New Year's resolutions. We're going to come to church. Uh, we're not going to watch online. We're going to, you know, do things that we've never done before. We're going to move forward. And that lasts for about two weeks. Stop going to the gym, back in the rut. Your diet goes back eating the same bad food, not getting rest for your body, drinking uh, sodas, whatever your drink is, we're going to leave it in sodas. We're in church. Don't tell nobody what you're drinking. We're going to leave it in, we're going to leave it at the house, leave it at the club, wherever it is. But you, you, you have this mindset that you're going to make changes, right? When we do this, uh, there are benefits that come with it. When you join the gym, you pay a price to join the gym. So uh, why would you pay for something and have benefits and not take, a, uh, take advantage of those benefits? Paul is saying that if you make these commitments, if you press in your mind, you say, I'm going to do this. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read my Bible. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give thanks to the one that woke me up. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to get on my knees and begin to pray God, pray to God, the one that saved me, the one that woke me up. Instead of me turning on the music and, and, and listening to secular music, I'm going to put on some praise and worship. Instead of you reading your best novel, you begin to read the Word of God, and before you know it, the Spirit of God is on the inside of you now. Paul is telling us he wants you to progress. He wants you to be that mature Christian, not a babe in Christ, but a mature Christian. When you made the decision to give your life to Christ, when you said you were going to be a disciple, did you realize that it came with cost? How many of you thought that when you gave your life to Christ, everything was going to be a bed of roses? You remember? You were, you were excited. Oh, I gave my life to Christ. You couldn't wait to go home and tell your family, I gave my life to Christ. Someone explained the plan of salvation to you, and you understood what it meant for the first time. You prayed the prayer of confession. You gave your life to Christ. You were excited. You had a smile on your face. People were talking about you, and you blessed them anyway, and you laid hands on people. Your faith was being increased. And then the bad day came where the excitement was gone. How many knows that? How many of you know that life will bring things unexpectedly and it will change who you are and what you think. There's a cost to discipleship. Luke 9, 57 through 62 says this. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Was that you? I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. He's telling them to follow him. Life happens. You start giving excuses. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury 
my father. This is Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but go and preach the kingdom of God. He wasn't looking for your excuses. He was telling you, remember, you said, I'm going to follow you. I'll go wherever you go, right? But life happens, and you renege on that promise. You reneged on that confession of faith. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus, here's his response to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here, here is the picture that he's painting here. You're moving forward. You, you have a plow, and this is what you're doing. Oh, I just got offline. I got crooked roads. You're moving forward. He tells you not to look back. Lot, his wife looks back at her past. She became a pillar of salt. God wants you to move forward. The next thing I see in the text, Paul pursues the prize, which is a higher calling. Paul pursues the prize, which is a higher calling. Um, have you ever done a self-assessment? Looked in the mirror, done a self-assessment, and say, man, I was in this place last year. Looked at your account. Instead of it having more commas and zeros, it had fewer commas and zeros. Have you made a self-assessment to say, when I read my Bible now, I understand the word of God, and I'm not just praying that one prayer that I know, Jesus will. Are you the saint that says, you know, you, you go to pray with your child, and the one prayer that you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Your child is 12. You can, you can teach them how to pray now. We don't need the baby prayer no more, right? Are you making a self-assessment to the point that you're pursuing the prize, which is a higher calling. So what is, what is this higher calling? God is calling you from glory to glory. He's calling you from glory to glory. And so when he calls you from glory to glory, the test will get tougher. Uh, we've all went to school, right? Um, Pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, middle school, high school, college. Every time you progress from one grade to the next, you have to take a test to assure that you had the knowledge to be able to go to the next grade because the information that they were going to give you was tougher, it was harder, it was more reading required. The skills for you to do to pass the test, you had to put more study time in. And so when God takes you from one place to the next place, from glory to glory, uh, those tests get harder. Can I get one amen right there? Anybody been there? Like, you thought everything was being thrown at you in, 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 at one time? 
like your, your car broke down. Then you got fired. Then you got behind on your mortgage and you lost your house. Then your spouse died. I mean, just one event after the next, after the next, after the next. But God says, I'm shaping you. I'm molding you. Let me break it down and make it real for you. Um, Pastor Gilbert, he passed. God called him home to be, to be with him in glory. We all grieved. But then he called Pastor Katani, your senior pastor, who says, I'm going to keep the vision live. I'm not stopping here, but I can't do it by myself. She needs some help. We need some help to make the vision come to reality. When you drove up this morning, you saw those pallet houses? Vision. You saw those safe parking? Vision. It didn't just happen. It took you, it took me, it took us to bring that reality to fruition. I challenge every leader that's in here that decided to take a break that decided after COVID, I'm going to watch from online, that decided that my gifts and talents, they could be better used at home than in the church. My gifts and talents could be better used uh, just watching you. I challenge you to come back, to get involved, to do the work of the gospel. You want to see the church grow? Come grow with the church. You want to see the church grow? Pay your tithes and offerings. You want to see the church grow? Invite somebody to the church. Call from glory to glory, glory a higher calling. He says that the goal, the imagery here, is the prize is the reward that goes to the winner. The prize is the reward that goes to the winner. What it, what the, the imagery here is a runner that's running a race. And if you've ever run track before, you, you realize that there's a starting line. The runners, if they're, if they're sprinters, they get down in the blocks, and there's an imaginary line there that they can't put their fingers or their head or their body over the line or they're disqualified. But the runners are so focused that they're not looking to their left, they're not looking to their right, they're looking at the prize. The prize or the goal is the finish line. And there's only one winner in a race. There's only one number one in the race. So the runner runs to the line, the goal. This imagery is not true for us as believers. Because if, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, everybody wins. Did you get that? When you're running the race, there's only one number one. You got second place and third place. But in heaven, everybody that's in the, that is a believer, your prize, your reward is eternal salvation. I thought I was going to get more amens than that. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you didn't understand it because, see, you thought it was something that you did that got you there. You work your way into heaven. 
I'm coming to church. Check the box. I came to Bible study. Check the box. I smile when my neighbor frowns. I put on an image of Christ. Check the box. But did you visit the sick? Did you go check on the widower? When you drove by the pallet houses, did you see if there was anything that they needed? Did you bring blankets because the weather's getting cold? Did you go in your closet and you had so many clothes that you realized one more dress? There ain't even any room in the closet to put another dress. I, I, I knew my ladies were going to look, look at me crazy on that one. You don't need to buy another dress. Okay, man, I like to look good, too. I don't need another suit. Can I keep it real with you? God requires for you to do what he did. He gave us the example of what we are supposed to do as Christians. We follow his model. He was a servant. He served others. He washed his disciples' feet. He didn't ask for a seat at the table. No. He invited you to the table. He was a servant leader. He led by example. He showed us what to do. All we have to do is read his word, and you want to see expansion? Just live a life according to the word. You want to be blessed? The word will bless you. You want to get out of your situation? God already knows your situation. Just tell him. He'll give you a blueprint to help you make it through your situation. Last point, we'll shout out of here. The last thing that I see in this text is perfection comes with your new body. Perfection comes with your new body. What do you mean by that, preacher? This is an earthen vessel. It's flesh and blood. You gave your life to Christ, and now you have eternal salvation. You'll live forevermore. But, pro but Paul lets us know that he's pressing towards, he's pursuing, he's moving forward, that the end result is to be in heaven with his Lord and Savior. And he realizes that although he's in prison, he's pressing forward to the prize. What is the prize? Just like the runner receives the first place reward, the prize is to see his daddy face to face. Did, did you hear me? Um, I lost my daddy in 2010, right? I want to see my daddy again. Did you lose a loved one? Anybody in here lost a loved one? Do you want to see them again? If you pursue Christ, he says to be absent from this body is to be present with him. He says that if you call upon his name, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is God, you shall be saved. Paul was pursuing a perfected body. He had received all of these, these accolades, churches established, people following him. But that wasn't good enough. 
He was pursuing to be in the presence of the Lord. And he wanted God to say, roll call. Samuel James. Got a perfected body. Roll call. Katani Gilbert. Uh, I called her name. I called my name. I got a question for you. Is your name on the roll? You better ensure that your name is on the roll. You better ensure that when he calls your name, just like I got excited, just like Pastor Katani got excited, when he gives you that perfected body, because every day you're striving to get closer to him, to be more like him, that your flesh is dying, and you know you got a new mind, you know you got a new heart, you begin to do things different, you begin to walk like Christ, you begin to talk like Christ, they see the light shining on the, on the inside of you because it's, a, because it's exuberating, it's illuminating, it's all over you. It's the love of God that draws people closer to him. My challenge to you today, are you pursuing, are you moving forward do you want that relationship? Do you want to be called into the body of Christ? As I offer this invitation to you now, as our elders come forward, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to experience this life that we've talked about, if you want to have your mind renewed, if you want to pursue the higher calling, which is in Christ Jesus, this is your opportunity. We've been talking about it. I've been telling you about it. I've been giving you examples. But I assure you, you won't experience any of this until you have an individual relationship for yourself. I could talk about it. I could tell you about it. But until you experience it, you won't understand why people raise their hands. You won't understand why people get excited at the name of Jesus. We offer this invitation to you now. What is the invitation? It's not an invitation to a church. It's an invitation to a relationship with Jesus the Christ. You have a relationship with your spouse. You have a relationship with your family. God wants to have a relationship with you. So much so that he calls you friend. He loves you so much that he called you friend. How do I begin this journey? How do I start this relationship? Romans 3 tells us that we've all sinned and come short of his glory. That was me, living a life in the flesh, feeling good, lasted for a second. But then I gave my life to Christ, and it has lasted forevermore. 
I can't do it for you. The word is clear. It says that you have to confess that he is Lord. What does that mean? That means that you're giving your life to him, that he is Lord of your life. And once you make that confession, you have to believe in your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, that it changes your daily walk, the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way that you see. It's one thing to have physical vision, but to have spiritual vision, that's taking you to a different realm. You, you can't go into that realm without having that relationship with Jesus Christ. Then there's somebody here today, you may need prayer. These elders up here, they want to pray with you. The scripture says that when we pray, when we touch and we agree, when we come together, he says, let your prayer requests be made known unto him. He already knows what you need, but he needs you to take an a act of faith to walk. Or maybe you're afraid to walk. We have ushers. They're willing to walk with you. They're willing to lock arms with you to bring you up here. We've all made that walk. It seems like a long road, but I will tell you, it has an inter eternal benefit if you just begin to make that walk. If you take one step, God said, I'll take another. Then you take one step, God said, I'll take another. And before you know it, you'll find yourself at this altar. And then there may be someone here today. You've enjoyed the praise and worship. You've enjoyed the prayers. You've enjoyed this word. And you said, I want to connect with this body. I want to connect with Restoration Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are watching online, there's a number there. You can call that number. And our prayer team will be willing to step with you, to pray with you, to let you know how to join this body of Christ. Will you come? Will you come? If you're in need of prayer, we're willing to pray with you. If you want to be a comp, become a part of this church family, we would love for you to, to connect with us. And most of all, if you're looking to have that relationship with Jesus the Christ, we would love to pray the prayer of salvation with you to give your life to Christ. We will close out this time now. Our prayer for you today is that when you leave this place, you felt a change on the inside, that the word resonated with you. Something was said, something was done to make you take that step, to take that step, that leap of faith, to keep moving forward is our prayer.